Welcome to another episode of the Positive Change Podcast, a podcast that's all about inspiring uncommon thinking and challenging the status quo. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Harmer, and in this particular episode, we're looking at the importance of deep relational networks. Now, relationships are essential to both life and business success, and there are four common things we do wrong in establishing and maintaining deep, authentic, and real relational networks. So if this is a topic that's of interest to you, keep on listening. Hi, I'm Dr. Richard Harmer, and you're about to discover new ways to go from overwhelm to thriving in your business and in your life by following your passions, pursuing your unique life purpose, and stepping fully into your infinite potential. You deserve to live your best life, a life filled with all of the clarity, courage, and commitment you need to be happy and to make a positive impact on the world. So get ready, because this podcast challenges society's expectations for what it means to be successful in life and in business, and invites you to grow beyond outdated assumptions for defining who you are. Welcome to the Positive Change Podcast. In this episode of the Positive Change Podcast, we're all about the importance of deep, authentic relational networks. So to set the scene for this particular podcast, the last couple of weeks, I've been running a series of leadership learning labs for a client of mine, a global professional services firm, a network of professionals around the world, several thousand of them that are all about building greater leverage and bringing inspirational ideas to the future of the planet. This particular leadership program called Leadership Disrupted is all about the application of this organization strategy, which is all about disruption, disrupting their markets, disrupting the way we think about the future of the planet. And the particular program is all about how we work with leaders in this organization to review, to challenge, to inspire, and to disrupt their identity their roles they play, and the meaning they make through their roles. It's all about leadership. And we're building upon some really interesting work of a futurist, formerly at the Center for Creative Leadership and now at the Institute for the Future, Joseph Press, where he talks about the importance of disrupting our leadership to create new worlds. Now, the next thing we're using this program by way of context is the idea that leadership is a collective act. Its intention is all about change, Leadership is all about collaboration in practice and it's all about connecting people to new, different and more inspiring futures. It's a mind frame that's activating leadership with and for others. Relationships are fundamental to the type of disrupted leadership that we are creating and exploring within this program. Networks of relationships. So when I'm working with these particular groups of people, 30 or 40 at a time, we always start with the same question. What is a network? Of all of the definitions that these groups of people come up with, you can really cluster them into two types. The formal network, the structured networks, similar to like an organizational chart of how decisions get made and delegations are organized and how information flows through people's roles within, to and from each other. These are all about the ordered networks, the well-formed, structured, well-understood, potentially not well-adhered to, but 
well understood networks that establish and maintain the order necessary to have stability, longevity and sustainability of the organization. Now the challenge of these types of networks when we think about them and adhere them too strongly is they can become quite controlling. They can control who we relate to, why and how, what we talk about and what we can't talk about and so on and so forth. And ultimately, to use a little bit of anti-fragile, they're more of a fragile network. They're essential to ensuring that consistency and continuity and well-structured decisions are made, but they can be fragile. Now, the other type of network that comes up pretty frequently is the more informal or the organic network. That network that is made on the relationships we have with the various people that we are in relationship with. They might be common, but they're more likely to be unique to the person that's in the network. They're more the informal networks we create in order to navigate the formal hierarchy and systems and structures of the organization. They're more chaotic by their very nature, but they're the informal way information, resources, data, support, and so on and so forth flow. In the words of, of Antifragile, they're intentionally robust in and through disruption. Now, when we think about the real challenge of these networks, if you think about networks as either formal or informal, the first issue, the first challenge people face when they're thinking about in networks only through this lens of the formal networks is that overlaying mental models about how society and how business works. They structure our expectations about what can and can't be done. In an organizational context, for example, if we only adhere to the formal network, even over the more organic, informal relational networks, oftentimes we can't talk to people because they have a certain role within the organization. Now think about your own work circumstance and what role you're delegated to, to within an organization. So let's just say that's a mid-level manager or that's a executive or even the CEO. If we have these roles, and oftentimes other people might think we can't talk to you or we're not able to liaise with you because of the role you have. Now, in many organizations, including the one that I'm referring to, listening to the participants on this program, I asked the question, so who has a ready relationship with the CEO of this organization and can call them at any time to have any issue resolved? Now, this program has 30 or 40 people on it and it runs several times and I am yet to hear somebody say, I have a ready relationship with the CEO, I can call them or email them or ring them at any time and I know they're going to get back to me within the next 12 to 24 hours in response to and answering my question. So this is the real challenge of business structures and the expectations around them. If a person that we need has the resources we need to maintain progress on stuff that's important and we can't get hold of them, then the relational network becomes even more important because the structural network is a challenge. Now let's put this into a social context instead. And in a social context, we're talking about a person's status or rank within the social conditions with which we find ourselves. So for example, we might not be able to talk to certain people within our communities because they have more or less status to us. So the first issue we deal with when we're thinking about networks is if we have an over-reliance upon 
the formal or structured networks in order to get things done, if the intention of all leadership is change, if all leadership is about collaboration and it's about connecting people to a brighter future, if we, if we only rely on the formal structures, the more ordered networks of our organisational and social lives to try and get stuff done, when in essence research would suggest we're only going to be effective about 20% of the time because 80% of the things that we do rely on informal networks to get stuff done. So the first issue limited access to the resources to create and sustain change because we have limited access to the people in order to access those resources it also in another way compromises our our personal agency if we think we can't get something done because we need to go and talk to somebody in the hierarchy to make it happen and that delays or or slows us down then we're unable to create positive change and have that positive impact in the timeliness that we might like The key thing to address this, and I'll come back to this later, is establishing purpose-led or purpose-driven networks as an answer to this challenge. But as I said, I'm going to talk more about that later. Now, the next question I ask these groups after we say, so what is a network? And we then tease out the distinction between a formal and an informal network or a structured hierarchical network based on, say, an organisational chart or a social status of more or less status, the social conditioning we have, and we move more into the authentic, real, relational networks. The next question that we ask is, so, okay, what's your current informal relational network? That network that supports you to have success in both life and work. And at this point in time, many people pause and go, I don't really know. Or, well, it consists of these half dozen people that I tend to go to for support. Now, this is based on a bit of research here as as well that um, a, a magic number called Dunbar's number. Now, Dunbar's number suggests that any person can only have meaningful relationships or they can only comprehend, I should say, in their mental model of the world about a hundred people and comprehend a connection with around 100 people before that network gets too big and they start to segment it out and people get lost in it now for those who have multiple friends on facebook you need to look at how many people are accessing your feed and how many people you're seeing in your feed now facebook recognizes the dunbar number and does tend to use an um, an algorithm to start to segment who you see in your feed based on who you tend to interact with. It, in essence, is recreating Dunbar's number even if you have more friends. But that's a podcast for another time. Now, um, even breaking that down further to the psychology of successful teams, research would suggest that we only have deep, meaningful, important, context-orientated relationships with about 10 people. Once we get beyond 10 people, then we start to get confused about whether they're in one group of friends or one group of connections or another. So there are a couple of things to consider here when you think about what is your current informal or relational network that supports you in success in life and work, recognizing that any context-specific group of people is typically going to be about 10. So 
that doesn't mean you only have 10 friends, by the way. It means that we start to segment or categorize our networks based on clusters of 10. So one of the ways to think about this is what are the types of relationships that you have that are going to be common to you, but most people are also going to have? Are there the more close ones or the more common networks like work colleagues, your immediate work team or immediate group of work peers or your manager or, or your one-up level of manager in an organization? It's your immediate family, your partner or other close family members like um, mothers and fathers and grandparents and anybody you might go to in order to get first level support. The first people you're most likely going to go and talk to if you wanted to for the support or information or advice or a connection or uh, motivation in order to continue to remain successful in life and your work. So you have your work colleagues obviously in the work front and you'll have your immediate family on the more personal front. Moving one step out from that, you're most likely in life and in work going to have suppliers or other partners or customers or clients or other immediate connections that are most likely related to things like the school drop-off or pick up or the people you regularly meet at the coffee shop or your close friends that live in your immediate neighborhood. Those people that you could walk around the corner to and get some milk or some sugar or some flour or something if you needed it. Or you're more likely to see pretty regularly when you're heading in a similar direction whether it be to a tram stop or a bus stop or supermarket or whatever it might be. Those meaningful connections you have with people immediately around you in your life or immediately connected to you in your work, that is, you know, your customers or clients, that directly influence what success might mean for you and how you define it and how you pursue it. Then we'll have those relationships in your relational network that are more distant to you or more unique to you. Things like, or people like those specialist advisors, whether it be an accountant or a consultant or a psychologist or a coach or somebody that is an, a specialist advisor to you that is probably unique to you. You'll have a handful of those people. Depending on what industry or work that you do, there might be government or industry group connections or industry group networks or other those types of specialist connections you have where you all have a common connection based on some purposeful career or industry or professional obligation or something of that nature. Then you'll have your friendship groups, your business acquaintances, those former work colleagues, those former teachers or other support people that are more unique to your network. They're important to you, but you're most likely only going to have a connection with them. They may or may not even be connected with each other. And finally those mentors, those mentors that you've collected across your life and career that may even be no longer living. Like there's a very simple example of this. Um, one of the things I pursue in my personal and professional life is drawing, poetry, creativity. And I often imagine myself sitting in venice in the piazza there talking to michelangelo or da vinci or caravaggio or other 
known poets and artists of the time and asking them what would they do now this is imagination in my own mind obviously but it's those mentors that have a certain philosophy or a certain way of thinking that you aspire to or you espouse in your own way of um, life and work and they inform how you might think and feel and guide how you might think and feel about certain things so the key consideration here is what's your current informal relational network and how connected is it how many people are in it how many of those different more close or common or more in unique groups of people do you have now the key issue here that many people find and we found when we we're working with this, these particular groups in this leadership disrupted program is the second issue is that most of our informal relational networks our current ones anyway are established and continue to be maintained by chance they we either share the same piece of carpet or we're on the same zoom calls or we run in the same circles in a professional sense um, or in a personal sense we tend to run into the same people at the tram stop or we end up at the same restaurant or the same coffee shop or we do the same school run or we tend to run into each other at the same sporting events or whatever that might be. So we tend to form these informal relational networks without any ongoing intention. We share the same interests or goals maybe, but we don't really leverage them in any significant way. We tend to be connected to these people in a certain context or situation. Like for example, I have a certain group of friends that I only ever run into on the weekend when I tend to need to drop my kids off at some school sport somewhere and we chat for an hour and then we head off to something else. They're not really cultivated beyond whatever the situation we find ourselves in at that time. Now, the way to address this particular issue of our relationships that are informal relationships being too one-dimensional is to find new and different ways to connect, to talk about different topics we wouldn't usually talk about, to um, have networks or conversations based on some common inspiration or common purpose. And again, I'm going to come back to purpose later on in this podcast. These, the real issue here is building greater numbers of or ways of connecting with each of our relationships in order to build out more strength and robustness within them. Now, a second issue also arises when we think about informal or relational networks. Issue number three is those relationships or our networks aren't really diverse enough or interconnected enough. And what I mean by that is, again, if we think about those common clusters of the types of relationship we have, something with more common like work colleagues, then... Um, immediate family and extended family into suppliers or partners or customers or clients into specialist advisors government or industry groups that we're connected with through networks other friends or business acquaintances or former business acquaintances into mentors and other advisors a strong network is going to have a number of people that we can go to in each of those eight different groups i've just mentioned if we don't have people in each of those groups, then our diversity of our network is going to be reduced. Equally so, if those people, both within each of those different groupings, work colleagues, for example, aren't connected with each other, and those different 
work categories, uh, those different categories aren't connected across. That is the number of work colleagues that also know members of my family or the number of my work colleagues that I'm also connected with in an, a um, business acquaintance, formal colleague sense, then we really have a network that might be one-on-one orientated rather than intermeshed and interconnected. A relational network of individuals or island-like subgroups. Now, this is a problem in terms of getting greater diversity and ability to leverage our resource, our networks in ways that support us in multiple ways. How do we really know that our current relational networks are too one-dimensional or um, oriented by chance or um, are not connected enough? Well, in social network analysis, there are four common criteria that we can use in order to evaluate or assess or do a brief audit of our own current informal relational networks. The first criteria is a criteria called openness. Is the network more open? That is, lots of, lots of connections with you but not many connections with each other versus closed. Everyone knows everybody. Um, this is all about the level of connectedness. There's no right or wrong answer here, but to say that if you find your network is too connected, you might be getting a lot of the same information repeated. If it's, if it's more diverse, you're getting more diversity of information. That leads us to the second criteria, the amount of diversity or novelty in your system. Does everyone know everyone? Do you only have a very small relational network of work colleagues and don't know many people outside work, for example? Then that you're more likely to have a more similarity type network versus a more diversity type network. What we're really after is a lot of different networks with a lot of different people with a lot of different interests that give a different points of view that support us with growth and support and so on and so forth. Third criteria is the depth of relationness, depth of relationship. Like how strong is each of those relationships? Could I call any member of my network that's, that I can think of at any time on any topic and they will come to my aid or do I know that I can only talk to some people some of the time and other people only on certain topics and not any other topic? What we're really after is a degree of new people coming into our network so we continue to refresh our network at the same time a lot of strength and depth so we know that we've got lots of support if and when we need it. Now, the fourth consideration here is access to resources. This is about the level of support, whether our network is more scarcity orientated or abundance orientated. Now I'm going to talk about this more later on, but in essence it's can our networks be relied upon to give us the support, information, access to whatever we might need when we need it in order to help us to succeed in life and work. Now the key thing to consider here if we notice that our relational networks are based on chance connection and aren't really intentionally orientated is to continue to reimagine and refresh our networks to ensure that we have more and more people that we're in relationship with because there's a natural attrition in any relationship in any network of relationships some people move away they move into different areas different jobs um, different interests different in my case different sporting commitments with kids for example and those people continue to move away and form different relationships and different networks and are no longer core in mind therefore you have to keep refreshing and reimagining what your networks can be in order to ensure that you have all of the support that you might need now, this leads us to the third question I ask in each of these labs. The first question being, what is a network? 
And second, what is your current informal or relational network and who do you go to for support in order to succeed in life and work is the third question is why might you need or want to create a purposeful network or a purpose-focused relationship network? Now, the key consideration here that we work to in this particular lab, and it applies for each and every one of us, whether we're a business owner or a team leader or we're a social activist, whatever that might be, leaders lead within context. What does that actually mean? Well, it means that we create contexts or we frame up situations or scenarios within which we build a network and we build our leadership. We become leaders, we become purposeful in our networks because our networks are purpose-focused. They're purpose-driven. And this leads to the fourth issue that is part of this particular podcast we found when we're working with these people. And this, this issue might also apply to you. In not thinking intentionally about our networks, which is issue number two, and um, therefore not having any real way of building new connections, we often, most networks we create are based on personal need. I connect with the people around me because I need something from them. And we have mutual exchange for sure, but we are the beneficiaries of that network. But what about building networks that extend beyond ourselves? Identifying a purpose for the network that gives meaning beyond the network itself. It, it's as though the network has a purpose that lives and is pursued beyond itself. We don't just get to know each other because we like each other. We're getting to know each other because there's a purpose we're pursuing together. More like a community of practice. Now you could say in a, in a way that many organizations who have a purpose are trying to bring networks of people together to pursue that common purpose. But I would contest or I would argue that that purpose is not shared by everybody. It's shared by the few and espoused to the many. A true purpose-led network, every single person in that network is co-creating the network's purpose. And that network's purpose, again, is beyond itself. So, for example, a purpose-led network, the people involved in that network, the first thing they think about is, what is the inspiration for the network? What is the stated opportunity or issue that the network is pursuing? What is the focus of that network? And that purpose is always beyond the network itself. So, for example, if... I was to build a specific network around social change, then the network might be supporting social change makers to do change. So the purpose of the network is supporting social change makers. Yes, sure, I might be one, but actually the intention is beyond myself. The next question to ask is who is the benefiting audience for the network? So who benefits? If the network is successful, who benefits? So in using that same example, it's creating a collaborative network in support of social change makers. Well, the benefiting audience is social change makers and the focus of the network is building collaborative networks for those people. And what is the value? The third question is what is the value or the impact that network wants to have for that benefiting audience to help them feel inspired during times where change is hard? That might be the benefit. So the purpose of the network, it has a focus, 
it has a benefiting audience and it has a it has a value or a benefit that's being realized going back to my earlier example inspiring and providing resources to social change makers to continue positive change when the going gets tough might be a reason for establishing a network now of course i'm also a beneficiary of that network but the network is not about me and it's not about others within the network we are all working for some purpose beyond the network itself it's but for beyond so the key consideration here is how might the purpose-led or purpose-focused network create authentic real and tangible benefits for others beyond the network itself benefits that also it might also benefit the network itself but it, the purpose of the network isn't self gratifying it's beyond self it's other for others benefit now why is this important and part of the work we're doing with this particular organization thinking about purpose-led networks is looking beyond the organization and establishing and fostering networks for business or social benefit beyond the organization is well because every single time we come from a place of altruistic abundance we also benefit and in fact it becomes way easier to engage people in that network and for people inspired to contribute to that network when it's not about me not about them or not about the network it's about supporting and serving a group of people beyond the network itself there are four common ways that we can also benefit from that network even though every single time we're engaging in that network it's for altruistic abundance or altruistic abundance beyond any one person's singular benefit this network can also benefit us in four really specific ways first it can support your own current performance in life and work it does this by providing you with assistance when necessary and the energy you need particularly when the going gets tough second it can enhance your everyday prosperity through support and through friendship third it, it can accelerate your life work and biz business progress by providing sponsorship and advocacy and by giving you ideas and innovations when you run out of ideas and innovations for yourself and finally it can enable your preparations for future opportunities through development and learning and growth and inspiration of that nature and also by continuing to reinforce purpose and providing meaning the key message here when we think about purpose-led networks is it's not about building a network for personal gain it's not about leveraging a network for personal gain it's about supporting people who care about something together to make a difference for others who are the beneficiaries of that 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 care and in so doing we all benefit now the one key thing to consider and the key message i think of this podcast of when we start thinking about meaningful altruistic abundance oriented relational networks it's all about building abundance 
It's all about looking beyond yourself, letting go of any past ego that wants to keep you or others small. Let, letting the purpose and not your personal needs be the hidden leader. And in those ways, those networks will help you thrive by supporting your own current performances, enhancing your everyday prosperity, accelerating your life, work and business progress and enabling your preparations for future opportunities. Those networks, when you look beyond yourself to something greater than yourself and greater than the people that are coming together for and focusing not on yourselves but on beyond yourselves, those purpose-led networks that are in service of others have significant personal benefits. That's another episode of the Positive Change Podcast on the importance of purpose-led networks and importance of building relationships around purpose and shared meaning creation. Hope you got something from it and I look forward to seeing you in the next podcast. See you soon. Hi, and thank you so much for checking out another episode of the Positive Change Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe using the button below and make sure you also click the bell icon to get notified every time we release a new episode. If you're looking for the show notes for this episode, we have them in the link underneath, as well as our social media handles and some links to free training and other offers that we drop from time to time to help you go from overwhelmed to thriving in pursuing your best life. So go ahead and check out this episode's show notes if you're interested. And thank you so much for tuning into the Positive Change Podcast.